0: Hello, you are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Colorado Gardener. My name is Christy McGowan. Long Keepers, It All Starts with the Seeds, by Deb Whitaker. And this is from Colorado Gardener, Early Spring 2021 Edition. Decades ago, I happened upon an Asian woman at the Boulder Farmers Market who sold 20 pound bags of long keeper onions and potatoes. Wow, they really did last all winter. But little did I know that the specific variety was the key to their storage ability. Vegetables that hold well in long-term storage offer more variety than you might think. Heirloom varieties that store well are making a comeback as a nation suddenly concerned about food insecurity and power outages returns to the simplicity of long-keeping vegetables. What's old is new again. There are a lot of rules for keeping vegetables through the winter, and we'll cover them in the harvest issue. But the best conditions in the world will never outperform starting with the right variety. In general, long keepers are planted and harvested later, so you still have time to get some in for this year. If you already have seeds that fall into the general categories listed here, most of them should still keep for several months right in the crisper. Long keepers are hard to find. Seed companies rarely highlight storage characteristics. The tough, thick skins and overly large specimens, historically prized for winter storage, have been replaced with smaller introductions that mature mid-season and sport the thin skins preferred by consumers no longer accustomed to storing vegetables. The Cornell University website, however, categorizes storage life for hundreds of specific varieties. They also rate ease of growing, yield, and taste, an important factor, since storage varieties traditionally have been cultivated for shelf life, not necessarily flavor or texture. Winter storage vegetables show their best character pureed in soups and cut into stews rather than fresh. Beets. Year-round, garden-fresh produce doesn't get much better than beets. Not only are they long keepers in general, but every part of the plant is edible, starting with the thinnings. Storage beets can get large, like the Lutz Winter Keeper, also known as Lutz Salad Leaf, which garners 4.7 stars. Others mentioned for extended shelf life are the late harvester long season, the bolt resistant Boltardi, and the striped rooted Fear Kugel. Early maturing strains like the Detroit Dark Red and Crosby Egyptian also offer good storage. Carrots. Available in both conventional and organic seed, the Bolero carrot provides excellent eating quality, both fresh and after long-term storage. The fat ox heart performs well in the colder temperatures and heavy soils of the front range, and the Danvers half-long heirloom also holds well. For cooking, black cat restaurant owner Eric Skokin favors the yellow Jean Obtus de Duves. Root Crop Honorable Mentions. A sampling of some of the best root keepers includes celery root, brilliant, and easy-to-grow long keeper. Parsnips, hollow crown, which grows sweeter after frost. Turnip, purple-top white globe. Rutabaga, Helenor, high yielding. Kohlrabi, Cossack, stays tender up to four months. Radish, daikon, spicier the longer it's stored. Cabbages and Brussels sprouts. Cabbage is a vegetable everybody takes for granted. But if you're desperate for something fresh in the dead of winter... Try one of the storage varieties. Storage number four has flavor superior to typical supermarket cabbages after long storage and grows well even under stressful weather conditions. Typhoon is noted for superior eating quality and Brunswick is cold hardy and stores very well. The best redheads are Ruby Perfection and Mammoth Red Rock, as well as cabbage relatives like the Diablo Brussels Sprouts and Perfection Drumhead Savoy. All store well, but may not keep as well as greenheads. Onions. A wide selection of onions are dedicated storage onions, most of them yellow, like Cortland, the Patterson, similar to the Copra, and the Big Daddy, which stores up to eight months. Among the Reds, Rosa de Toscana and Southport Red Globe seem to be the most reliable. Whites and sweets don't fare well in storage. All mentioned above are long-day varieties, the recommended type for Colorado. Potatoes A surprisingly wide array of potatoes awaits the eager storage gardener. The late-season catadin, reportedly the best storage potato for winter stews, proffers high yields under varied conditions. Kennebec, a mid-season thin-skinned, all-purpose variety, is successful even in finicky soils and gets high marks for taste. Late Season Red Pontiac is a high yielding masher that performs well even in heavy soils. If colors appeal to you, the mid to late season all blue stores well, as does the five star purple skinned Peter Wilcox, also known as Blue Gold. Potato lovers will be happy to note The ever-popular Yukon gold and yellow fin hold up well, despite being early-season producers. Even a selection of the trendy fingerlings, rose fin, Russian banana, and French, last for several months with high marks for taste. Not forgetting sweet potatoes, the popular Beauregard sweetens in storage for up to eight months winter squash When it comes to winter squash the range is so varied it's difficult to choose Some varieties of kabocha store for 6 months or more and still taste great Butternut varieties are the longest keepers and like most long-keeper winter squash require time in storage to develop to full flavor The Canada crookneck a butternut relative that's resistant to pests and diseases, is categorized as a super keeper. Of the dizzying array of gorgeous ornamental squash, many are actually edible. The Cinderella Carriage Mosquée de Provence is a late maturing type that can weigh up to 20 pounds and store for a year, as can the dark green ultra-bumpy Marina di Chiochia and Jaradale, a cross between the Cinderella and the ubiquitous behemoth Mother Hubbard. Other notable storage varieties include Sibley, a four-pound banana type described as an excellent keeper, which won the Seed Savers Exchange taste test in 2014, and Silver Bell, which turns pink in storage. Please note, vegetables sold as ornamentals aren't governed by the same pesticide restrictions as edibles. Something Soft, Bought Because of Him by Jessica Levy And this is from Green Prince, Spring 2021 Edition. New plant, huh? She threw a rather skeptical look across the aisle from over a pair of taped-up readers and clutched her purse closer to her small, wiry body. She was surrounded by shopping bags and the faint smell of onion. Yep, just, you know, getting her home. I adjusted the nursery pot at my feet and smiled through the mess of wide, palm-like leaves in a way that I hoped conveyed commuter solidarity, but felt a little grimace-shaped in the end. That was fair enough, really, considering the circumstances. I shifted my knees to make way for two teenagers moving toward the back. We were passing the high school, I calculated, which meant only ten stops to go. The woman across the aisle turned away, and I watched her in profile, her brow furrowed, and her mouth moving silently. As a studio apartment gardener with no car, I've done my time carrying green things home on buses over the years. People love plants, and I've often had my share of smiles and approving glances. But this was the first time I'd tried to carry a freshly watered, five-foot-tall plant home on the Seattle City metro. Usually, I brought home smaller finds. The occasional daring pothos, sure, but mostly cacti and succulents. I've always preferred small plants with big attitudes for the endless string of city apartments I find myself in. I like unusual beauties with strong survival instincts that might make a go of it, however unlikely, in northeast facing or basement windows or crammed along shelves above heating vents, or below seventh-story windows angled like magnifying glasses in the evening sun. Independent and patient beauties, dangerous beauties, beauties buried behind a crown of spines. But this, this loose, sprawling, lush, and unwieldy thing, well, a cactus it was not. I bought it because of him, him, the photographer that had come and gone like a flash flood. I bought it because of heartbreak. As fierce and resilient as they are, cacti do not always comfort. This leggy green beauty was going to turn my tiny spiny desert into a 500-square-foot jungle where I might sink into the summer in softer peace, tending to what it needs. The bus lurched to a sudden stop, and I slid three inches to my left, careening uncomfortably close to the man hunched beside me. The towering plant, oblivious to our close quarters, rushed forward too, and smack, Fat green leaves bopped the man right in the face. I yelped and scooched sideways to tuck the plant back tightly between my feet. I'm so sorry, I mumbled. But it was clear the damage was done. The man rolled his eyes and stared harder at the book open in his lap. I'd met the photographer at Adeline's Block Potluck. It was the season of gratitude and warm pies and sides, the holidays tumbling closer and closer as the days turned colder and wetter. Which meant, of course, it had been a time to decide on someone to cozy up with, or else go it alone. Having wintered alone for plenty of years, this time I leapt right in. We'd talked about cooking that night, and city exploration, and local art exhibits. It was all quite interesting stuff, really, although I'd been hopelessly distracted watching his lips tuck over an especially crooked tooth when he smiled, and wondering how he took his coffee in the mornings. A whirlwind of days and nights had followed. I'd soaked up the excitement and energy eagerly, storing the heat of it in my cheeks and chest like summer sun. I'd fallen hard, and fast, and fully. And then, as is the way with flings, the season ended. By spring, the photographer was gone. The past few weeks, in the quiet of my apartment, my patient tenants had offered what camaraderie they could. But this parting seemed to need something new. Something specific. Something different. Something lush and soft to lean into. Something wilder and louder than before. Something gushing and fearless, regal and unselfconscious. Hence the bird of paradise. This wild beast of a plant pressed against me. Only five stops to go. See, cacti can mean many things. As gifts, they're said to represent warmth and unconditional love and protection. They're quirky and steadfast. They need attention, but don't demand it. I sing to them. I sit with them. I talk to them when there's time in our schedules. In the growing season, spring and summer, I water them on Sundays while I drink my coffee, letting the soil soak and sigh. In the fall and winter, I water less and sing more, and we rest. But truth be told, cacti, like me, aren't always conventionally consoling. New circumstances, new seasons, call for new plans. I imagined leaves, draped over the bookcase, rising up along the wall to keep watch on the door, waving in visitors and giving a gentle nod to the neighbors, whose windows faced mine, extroverted and eager and green. The woman, awash in onion and groceries, cleared her throat, and I glanced over obligingly, She was watching me out of the corner of her eye somewhat disapprovingly, and I smiled again, until she lifted her chin back toward the window. Behind her, I saw the stop approaching. I reached up and pulled the cable, resisting an urge to stick my tongue out at the woman jokingly, and carefully grabbed hold of the sides of the pot while the bus shuddered to a stop. As I stepped onto the sidewalk and turned to make my way home, I wondered, watching the world through thick leaves, if by some luck next fall or winter, with another shift in the season, this beast might even bloom, wildly, loudly and lushly, myself as well. Gardening where the sun doesn't shine and the hose doesn't reach by Marcia Tatro and this is from Colorado Gardener early spring 2021 edition. When I started my garden in 1987 shade wasn't an issue. It was a goal. At the time there were only two trees on my property a sick crab apple in the front yard, and a small silver maple in the back. For a brief part of each day, the house shaded areas near the foundation, but there wasn't one square foot of ground that could truly be called shady. Three decades on, things have certainly changed. The chlorotic maple and the fireblight ridden crab are long gone, but a ponderosa pine by the front walk towers over the roofline and, joined by another dozen mature trees, have transformed my High Plains garden into a woodland where sunlight is now at a premium. This has had a significant impact on my plant palette. Expensive water and water restrictions due to drought and population pressures have also become part of the equation. A fast-draining, low-nutrient, sandy loam soil with an extremely high pH further restricts plant alternatives, as do colder and more erratic temperature swings than more urban parts of the Denver metro area. Discovering what will accept all of the above has turned my garden into a test plot, where I've killed an uncountable number of plants otherwise considered reliable in a High Plains environment. Still, enough survives to forge a highly diversified hodgepodge, more than enough to satisfy this obsessive-compulsive plant collector. In my small, north-facing front yard, I have gradually limbed up the 35-year-old ponderosa pine to allow in more light from the sides. A neighboring burr oak, the same age, would be taller than the pine by now if snow load hadn't snapped its top off every few years. A stately 20-foot tall hawthorn and a fruiting plum planted along the fence line provide more shade to the front yard. All four are easy to garden under without the masses of surface roots that make many other trees unsuitable. Between the oak and the hawthorn stands the steadfast beauty, viburnum allegheny, a small tree that produces stinky but pretty lacy white flowers two or three times each season, followed by glossy red fruit that ages to black. A white forsythia, planted the same year along the front wall of the house, is just as tough and persistent. Featuring fragrant white flowers on arching branches in late winter. Nearby, a variegated pagoda dogwood, Golden Shadows, looks like a gilded confection, but it is actually one tough tree. Further down the wall stands Harry Lauder's walking stick, Contorta, a hazelnut with oddly contorted branches and waterfalls of yellow catkins in late winter. Every spot where a fancy-leafed Wygella, fathergilla, or small Hydrangea has refused to live, I've filled the hole with a Daphne. Both species and hybrids in a variety of sizes, green-leafed and variegated white or gold, all with deliciously fragrant blossoms in white or shades of pink in spring or summer. A multitude of perennial flowers grow in shaded beds surrounding a central, sunny, horizontal rock garden. Despite its reported thirst, Goat Spirit has performed without fail every year for 30 years, sending up white plumes in early summer to dispel the darkness beneath where sunlight never reaches. Reliable and long-lived winter-flowering hellbores, spring-blooming yellow bishop's hat, Various coral bells, foam flowers, and mountain primroses provide permanence, as do ground covers, pink-spotted dead nettle, yellow and white versions of variegated winter creeper, and blue plumbago. These are just a few of the goodies that don't just eke out a living, but genuinely thrive in conditions most gardeners would consider impossible. The good news is that most of these plants will work for you, too. Clay-rich front-range gardeners will find that their soil does a much better job of holding water and must be extra careful not to overwater. For all of us, it's time to start seeing dry shade as an opportunity rather than an obstacle, especially as dry shade is the most comfortable space for the gardener to work on a hot day, protected from heat stroke and sunburn, while dry enough to sit or kneel without getting wet in the process. This is the Audio Information Network of Colorado. Thank you for joining us for Colorado Gardener. My name is Christy McGowan. We invite you to please stay tuned for our next program.
1: and the process of belief in dissecting it. This. When the world takes a shoulder.